Hold on, I'm talking, brother. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. Hello, and welcome back to Hold On, I'm Talking, Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood, and you are listening to our preview of UFC Paris, the first ever UFC card to be held in France, which will be headlined by Cyril Garn versus Tai Tuivasa, with a co-main event of Robert Whittaker versus Marvin Vittori, and Tom Ballum. Do you think that the UFC have brought a fire card, considering that this was an illegal sport in France only up until two years ago? Do you think that this is uh, going to be a good representation of the sport to the French people to get them hyped about uh, the UFC? They seem to have made the decision to keep the French guys off the main card there, kind of stuffing them down in the in the early, <laughs> early show. I don't know if that's representative of a kind of deficit in in skill amongst French uh, MMA fighters, maybe not quite there with with England, putting out our UFC London cards yeah. this year, which had some pretty high-profile names on. But we do have Cyril Garn, a man who is at the peak of his division. Uh, I think Charles Jourdain, uh down at Featherweight, he'll be representing, you know, his the French side of his Canadianness. <laughs> um, yeah, doing it for Montreal. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's it's just a bit of a weird one, isn't it? That like they've got guys like, you know, Nazruddin Imavov, who is ranked at middleweight and could make a run up to the title. He's on the prelims, fighting our boy, our number one boy, Joaquin Buckley. We'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, Tom, let's just go into it. Me and you are actually going to make predictions for this card. Six Sur- fights. Surprised you surprised you with that one, Joe. Uh, as is the champ's really privilege. Did. Throw down the gauntlet <laughs> anytime, any place. If you want the belt back, you've got to step it up, bro. All right, here we go. Me and Tom are going to make predictions for this card. Uh, six fights. Uh, for each fight, we're going to pick who we think is going to win. And if we get that correct, it's one point. And if we get the method correct as well, that's two points. So 12 points on offer. Here. felt like this was the correct thing to do considering that this is the first UFC card to be held in France and uh, Tom let's go straight into it main event Cyril Garn versus Tai Tuivasa Garn coming off of uh, the loss to Francis Ngannou in a title fight earlier this year um, in which he kind of dominated that fight up until he didn't anymore a very odd fight, if uh, if I remember correctly. I'm I'm not happy with that characterization there, Joe. I gotta I gotta step in and stand up for Francis. Uh, two rounds apiece now, going in going into the fifth. Yeah, but the first the first two rounds were all gone, and those were the fi- those were the rounds that were on the feet. And then Francis started doing jujitsu, baby. <laughs> There's levels to this. Um, they really now, were. I, I, I mean, an yeah. all-time great fight, and another culmination of. A beautiful what storyline? I mean, like the no, I mean all time great in the sense that you know Francis went to that place, that that place where jujitsu yeah. emerges from that hulking frame, <laughs> um, and he and he got it done, and also the combination of the great storyline, uh, Francis coming over mm. incredible adversary, uh, adversity, you know, the damaging his knee and last fight of his contract. The story's out there now. Um, mm. Until last weekend, it was you know it was the most prominent. UFC narrative in my mind. I say last weekend. I mean back when Leon Edwards uh, claimed the belt against against some pretty significant odds himself. Mm. Uh, but Cyril Garn, you're right. He certainly didn't do anything to uh, detract from his name and and the feeling that no. this man is going to be the UFC champion. I think that's that's a pretty fair assessment of this guy. I mean, he is like maybe the most evolved. Uh, heavyweight you know he's this sort of modern style that's starting to come through and is most prominent in guys like him and Tom Aspinall very sort of like light on their feet sort of bouncy in and out style Um, I think Aspinall's more evolved when it comes to the ground game as was demonstrated in the Volkov fight whereas Garn clearly has deficiencies there 
Uh, but striking-wise, Garn's movement is tremendous, which makes for a beautiful counter to his opponent, Taitu Ivasa, who is about as old-school as it really gets, doesn't it? I mean, he is quite literally billed as a brawler, and if you were to, you know, pick a fighter that both of these guys, you know, are similar to in terms of their style, um, you would definitely say Mark Hunt for Tui Vasa, wouldn't you? Well, I guess Hunt, he did have also those those heavy, heavy leg kicks. Um, whereas That's true. Yeah, Tatai really does like to kind of pummel in, get on the inside and, and, and throw bombs. Mm. Um, I feel like he's a bit more active than Hunt as well. I guess maybe tarnished a bit by, by late Hunt. Uh, you know, when he was on his way out of the UFC with all his contract mm. disputes, he was he was pretty slow in there. Whereas Ty is, is a young man, and uh, and he's he's all up in your grill, Joe. He's all action. He is. He is very much that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, though. I mean, will Tuivasa add something to his game? Well, let's talk about what he needs to gun? Yeah, what does he need to do, Joe? Wait, he needs to throw. He needs to add in low kicks. You need to take away Garn's mobility so that then his movement is compromised so that he can then land those bombs on uh, Cyril Garn. That is the main thing you have to do. Or you have to develop a wrestling game, which I do not think Tui Vasa will do. Um, so on a striking sense, it would be um, low kicks. Take away the mobility from there, the low calf kick, and work up from there. Uh, whereas Garn, if you're thinking about what he has to do to win, it's your normal game plan like that's really what we're thinking here he doesn't really have to add too much here to beat Tui Vasa well, don't you think yeah I do Joe I mean let's just sum this up I'm going to give you uh, Ty's recent run since his rebirth after an absolutely disgraceful showing back in Australia 2019 where he got uh, taken apart by by Sergei Spivak which you know has emerged to not be such a bad loss but because of Spivak's recent recent run uh, but yeah Ty Ty looked not long for this this sport he was he was so poor uh, when it went to the mat yeah but in his recent run Joe I want you to pick someone who resembles Cyril Garn from his recent wins all right here we go so 2020 okay. it was a knockout win of a Stefan Struve followed that up in 2021 March with a knockout of Harry Hunsucker who uh, has just been okay. cut from the UFC, by the way. Stefan Struve yep. has since retired. Greg Hardy was next up in July 2021, since been cut by the UFC also. Uh, yeah. And then the end of last year, Augusto Sakai, we started taking notice there. Um, Sakai, yeah. Sakai uh, definitely a strong gatekeeper at the back end of this division. And then Derek Lewis, that knockout uh, in February this year after a crazy exchange where Ty... Ty ate a lot of shots and before landing a well, close after one Lewis took him down. But after Lewis took after him Lewis down took him and down. unleashed, you know, hellacious ground and pound, you know, teeing off to mm. Ty's head. Ty just said, nah, mate, not today. Stood up anyway. <laughs> and uh and yeah, got the got the finish in the second round. Wait. Do any of those guys, Joe, do they do they have any similarities with Cyril Khan? Um, I'm gonna go with no. <laughs> Uh, they do not have any similarities whatsoever due to the fact that, one, I would say that Tui Vasa has a speed advantage over pretty much all of those guys there, particularly when it comes to the hands, which I, I do not think you'll ha have here. And uh, the other being the physical side of it. I mean, probably the only one there who is in shape in the way that Garn is is probably Greg Hardy. Uh, but then, obviously, uh, the skill deficit there between those two is uh, incredibly noticeable. Um, this, this, so this, I, this is just it, isn't it? Yeah, John? go on. Well, it's just that you've yeah. got, you know, Cyril Garn has seen Taito Ivasa before. Uh, he just beat Derek Lewis. You know, he's also beat Rosenstrike, yeah. for example. Uh, but Taito Ivasa has never seen anyone like Cyril Garn. Uh, the last time exactly. Taito Ivasa matched up with somebody who brought something new, uh, was Spivak with the addition of the ground game, something that Spivasa mm. seemed to not have come across in his UFC career to that point. <laughs> uh, now he's going to encounter a heavyweight who can move, and I expect that there, to cause similar problems for him. There was, um, there was a promotion to Ivasa Force in, in Australia when he was on the regional circuit. That um, it was Their cage was, uh, was like a square, 
So it wasn't like a, a rounded edge like, you know, in the UFC or Bellator or one. So it was a literal square. And if it went to the ground, there was a 30 second timer before you were then brought back to your feet. <laughs> so I think that that is, I think it was, I think I was looking here. It's Gladiator's cage fighting. It may have been. I think that might have been the promotion he was in or global FC fight series where it was one of those promotions where it just, you literally had no time on the ground. So if you just held a position, you would have been fine. So yeah, probably he felt no need to do that. And then when he first came into the UFC and you, you know, you start knocking out fools, you know, serial ass oh. if you will. Where's he? They should boy. have brought him back. They should have brought him back for UFC France. The return. Oh yeah. Cyril versus Cyril. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that the narrative here is that it's, you know, an incredibly evolved striker versus someone who is, you know, for want of a better phrase, a bit one dimensional. Uh, it's whether you think that Tui Vasa can land that shot on Garn. And then also, if you think that Garn can't take that shot, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that there is that, that question there on him? Well, Joe, I want to give it credence. Uh, I want to build this fight up for the fans. And I know the listeners haven't chewed in for us to just uh, be derisory about two two guys at the top of their division. But this is a total mismatch for me. I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing it. I, I just, there is no question mm. for me. I've seen Cyril Garn untraveled uh, up to this point. By what anybody can offer on the feet, I just don't. I just don't see how Tuivasa hits him. I just. I don't know how he gets the shot off. I don't know how he gets in mm. that pocket without Cyril moving out of the way. You know, I think Cyril's very good defensively, also not just in terms of his movement, but also like, uh, you know, his guard is is measured. I, I just don't think he's going to leave the space for for Tuivasa to get one of those big barrel in shots off. I think he'll be avoiding those exchanges. There's no need for him to fight that fight. I haven't seen any inclination for him to to do what he needs to do to lose this fight. So I, it would be a shocking upset for me if Tuivasa can, can finish Cyril Garn. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would be surprised as well. I mean, Garn's de- defense is 62%. So striking defense. So over half the shots miss on him. Yeah, I, 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 I really struggle to see where Tuivasa does land that shot. I mean... Does he have the discipline? That's always going to be a question about Tui Vasa until it actually happens. Does he have the discipline to stick to a game plan and do things that are maybe outside of what he wants to do to win a fight? Is he going to like double jab in? Is he going to be able to cut the cage off against this guy? Or is he just going to come barreling forward and even maybe even walk into a takedown? Because Gunn has won, I think, two or three fights in the UFC by submission. Mm. That's not outside the realm of possibility here. But... I'm gonna, can I lay my prediction on the line for you, Tom? Give it to me. I've gone for Cyril Garn by knockout. Yeah. I think it's going to be like yeah. I think it's going to be like the Derek Lewis one where he's just going to work him, rip to the body, Tui Vass is going to gas. Five rounds, man. And Garn has shown that he can go five rounds. And Tui Vassa has not shown that he can get past the second, um, really. So I'm going to have to go with Garn by knockout. Yeah, I've, uh, I've gone for the same thing. Garn by knockout. By just um, attrition, you know. Just absolute yeah, attrition before before Tuivasa folds. I, I, you know, it's it's the natural pick. I would love it would be amazing for Tuivasa to go and get it done here with some mm. huge looping overhand right out of nowhere uh, because it would be such an upset. But I don't put the chances very high. Let's talk about the uh, co-main event here: Robert Whittaker versus Marvin Vittori in the middleweight division. I, I mean. They've put this fight in Paris just to kind of draw the fans in to go like, look, we're actually giving you one of the best fights that we can make. Like, this is brilliant. Whitaker is, you know, the second best middleweight in the world. And he's second best, I think, by at least from what we've seen by a margin uh, here against uh, Marvin Vittori, who was Vittori's last fight, the Paolo Costa one, wasn't it? Um, which was at light heavyweight mm-hmm. uh, due to Costa being unwilling to cut weight down to uh, to middleweight um two guys that have uh, strong wrestling games if required but Whitaker, i think you'd probably agree with this like garn uh, more advanced on the feet than vittori vittori tends to sort of pump like a one two you know continuously just work you like this doesn't kind of maybe would rip one shot to the body 
you know, a sort of like lead right hook. But it's mainly one, two, one, two, one, two, trying to like work you over, cut you off, get into your, break up your rhythm, to try and get takedowns, take you down, a little bit of ground and pound, work you back up, one, two, one, two, one, two, takedown, work you over that way. Kind of like the Colby Covington sort of approach of like, I'm not going to beat you by knocking you out. I'm just going to beat you by outworking you. Well, do you know what the, the similarity between the two of them is? It's that, you know, Vittori uh, looks like he should carry huge power. You know, he's a, got yeah. a big hulking frame on him and a square, square noggin straight out of um, Lord of the Rings, as Darren Till pointed out. But uh, yeah, but he, <laughs> yes. he, he just la- he just lacks that power. He, he man just does not have those heavy hands. And uh, yeah. to, to upset Whitaker, you know, that threat of heavy hands, it, it would be a nice a nice feature to to have in his game, right, right there. Yeah, it's it's hard to. It's hard to beat Whitaker, isn't it, if you don't carry that threat on the feet? Because wrestling-wise, there's not really anyone in the middleweight division that I'd have them beating him in wrestling in terms of MMA. Just based off the fact, I mean, I know Yoel Romero doesn't really wrestle anymore and hasn't done for many years. But, you know, Brunson um, beat him. You know, he's beaten the wrestlers in this division and has shown that he has that ability himself. Um, so I think that Vittori's approach of you know throwing one twos to try and tire out Whitaker would probably get found out quite quickly, considering that Whitaker's variety of shots is much greater. You know that sort of uh, sort of leaping sort of side kick to the knees that he throws, and of course his famous combo that we all love, the one two setting up the right high kick that catches everyone. It it literally catches everybody, not named Israel Adesanya. Um, yeah, it's it's lovely when you see Whitaker blitz in, you know, when he just changes the speed yeah. up with with that with that combo. But other than that, he's got a very nice tight tight jab. Um, he, he controls the distance very very well. He maneuvers yeah. people around the cage at will, and obviously, you know, when he can neutralize any any takedown threat, really, he can he can have the fight on his own terms uh, on the feet. It was a a good attempt against Adesanya. Um, yeah. Last time out for Whitaker, I think, you know. I think it's I think it's the best attempt anyone's had at him, really. I, I you know, apart from Jan Blahovic, it, it's you know at middleweight, it's probably been the best attempt at him since Adesanya's become champion. Mm-hmm. Um, also, to factor in with the takedown defense, well, Whitaker's he's normally very much side on, like bladed, basically. You know, uh, meaning that he has that sort of like check left hook that he can land as well, and that if Vittori does, you know power through for a takedown it's a single leg that he could potentially go for but if Whitaker gets down and gets that underhook to sort of work through he's already sort of like halfway away from the takedown and it's sort of he's pushing Vittori away from one side already so I think that Vittori will struggle with the takedowns here I th- I actually think this is going to be a battle of cardio more than anything if Vittori can just start building up that rhythm and building up that speed the thing is is that if Vittori is going to do that, he can't give away a round here, not just because it's three rounds, but also because if Whitaker gets that first round and gets into his rhythm, it's hard to stop a guy like that. And I think that's the main question is, can Vittori upset that rhythm and take the first round from Whitaker so that he can then build off of that? I mean, the terror of these guys is such, Joe, that uh, it, you've, you've only just reminded me of the fact that this is only going to be a three-round fight. I'm looking at Vittori fighting Whitaker at the top of the middleweight division, co-main event in Paris. Must be five yeah. rounds. It just feels right to be five rounds. But of course, uh, the UFC doesn't make five rounds unless it's for main events or or title fights. Um, or there's some there's the significant co-mains that they've done it for. Recently. I mean, Leon versus uh, Nate. Well, Joe, come on. This is uh, this is two versus three at middleweight. Yeah. Two guys who have not fought. Two guys with great records, by the way. Vittori's only succumbed to Adesanya twice. And then that uh, aberration against Shoeface early in his UFC career. So that's just, just the three losses. You know, he's mm. uh, in amongst all that. He's won, what, what is it, seven seven fights there. Um, now, Whitaker, yeah. he's also got those two losses to Adesanya. And you have to go way back to to Wonderboy Thompson in 2014 for another loss. And that was a, another weight class down below it welterweight so these guys are top tier billing uh should it be a Mm. five round fight i mean in that sense yes but then i'm probably thinking what robert whittaker's thinking which is like 
I'll just do the three rounds, mate. Like I'm not, I'm not bothered about doing five. Like the the camp is different for these guys. They're probably going to get paid the same for three rounds or five rounds. You know, uh, if I'm Robert Whitaker and Vittori, yeah, I'll take the three round fight. If it's a main event and you get paid main event money, or you're told that this is a number one contender fight and it needs to be five rounds, yeah, that's fine. But these two both having come off losses to Adesanya, their second loss to Adesanya, I get why they probably chose this for me as a fan five rounds all day every day right yeah we're on the same page there i think it's time to lay down the uh prediction uh it'll come as no surprise i've picked robert whittaker to win this fight uh now that is not to dismiss vittoria as a significant challenger but i just i just think the premium on whittaker is such that you you have to pick him unless he's fighting israel um and i've gone Mm. for a decision that is a big square noggin uh on vittori (laughs) (laughs) and it's hard to make your power tell against a noggin like that one uh i've gone for the same thing whisker by decision uh it's it's the sensible choice he is you know the premier middleweight in that division outside of adesanya he would be the champion right now if adesanya was not in the ufc like let's be real that's that would be the case Quick question, though, because I do want to give Vittori the billing that he deserves, uh, you know, before we move on. I mean... He's a brilliant fighter. He's a brilliant fighter, Joe, yeah. He's extremely well-rounded. He's kind of 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10 everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, I'm looking down the rest of that middleweight roster, and I'm I'm struggling to see to see people who can beat Vittori. I'm struggling. I'm Buckley. looking at... <laughs> well, aside from... Uh, the hurricane, Joaquin, Joaquin the new Mansa. <laughs> now, new now Mansa look, indeed. I mean, yeah. let me just toss a few names out in who are in the middleweight rankings here. You know, you've got, uh, well, Sean Strickland. Oh, uh, God. What, those two pumping one, two jabs at each other? And that'd be quite a, might, that might be quite a fun fight now if they were both going at full speed. But I'd pick Vittori. What about a, uh, a wrestling uh, offence? What oh. about Derek Brunson? Uh, Vittori. Um, Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, well, Vittori. Yeah, so, you know, Vittori is right there at the top. It's just that Whittaker's a little bit higher up the mountain. Mm. And I think the problem for some of these, for these two as well is that, like, they are going to have to face guys now that are coming up that are, uh, you know gonna be thinking about that title shot eventually i don't know it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one like you know i'm looking at some of the names there andre muniz you know Drikus duplessis like i think the winner of this could be facing guys like that still regardless like it's not the case of okay i'm not gonna be fighting some young contender guy it's you could still be facing that guy um uh, uh, yeah. did you see by the way uh, by the way, can you did you see this the other day about Robert Whittaker talking about going up to light heavyweight? Yeah, that is that man is insane. That's uh, that's a shocking prospect. You know, he is a little bit undersized as it is at middleweight. So um... I just think he's a bit of a nutter, isn't he? And that's why we love him. <laughs> well, he's got to get uh, through right. Vittori here before any more talk of that. Yeah. Um, right, let's talk about the next fight on this card. Uh, another Italian stallion, Alessio De Chirico versus Roman Kopilov in the middleweight division. Um, De Chirico, we know uh, for his win over Buckley, a head kick knockout of Buckley. Um, yes, Tom? Well, no, just absolute shocker of a of a result. You know, you pick any way yes. that that fight could end. A head kick knockout for Alessio De Chirico, you know, it I would have taken us a few minutes to get to that possibility. Yeah. Going into that fight, De Chirico, who's on a three-fight skid, uh, talking about his uh, forced retirement from the UFC. Mm. And he's always been a bit of a plodding striker shall we say yeah uh it's not the most agile not the fastest not the smartest hands doesn't set up kicks particularly well and uh he ran into joaquin 
riding so high himself over his own, let's be honest, his all-time great knockout. Um, mm. And, you know, that's why we love this sport, Joe. What a, what a crazy yeah. turn of events. Uh, absolutely. He is facing, by the way, Roman Kopilov, uh, a Russian fighter who um, was a combat sambo world champion. He's had two fights in the UFC, facing Carl Robeson and Albert Durayev. And he's lost both of them. Uh, rear naked choke to Robeson and then the decision loss to Durayev. This feels like already for him, if he loses this, he's probably going to get cut from the UFC. And I also think for Tachiriko, if he loses this, he will be getting cut from the UFC. His most recent fight, he fought Abdul Rasak Al-Hassan, a guy that Buckley beat. He lost to him by a head kick. Um, by, what, with within 17 seconds of the fight starting? Yeah. Like, it, it's, it, it's, it's a bit of a rough one for Tachiriko. It feels like they're giving him Kopilov, uh, well, Kopilov uh, to Chirico in a way of like, come on, guy, beat this guy, get back on track, and then, you know, you can start to work your way back up. To Chirico does feel like a bit of a warm body, doesn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's hard to uh, escape that conclusion. But, you know, to Chirico, yes. he's, only, he's only 32. Um, and, you know, he's also looking to kick on a little bit here, reaffirm his position on the roster, you know, like as... But what's he going to kick on into? Like, Well, well um, realistically speaking. Yeah, I mean, I guess the rematch against Buckley for the belt, three years' time. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there, there does seem to be a clear ceiling here um, for DeChirico in particular. Mm. Uh, as you say, really, he's fighting for his place in the UFC full stop. It does seem like a loser leaves town yeah. type matchup. Um, now, Kopilov, they had some some hopes for him. Uh, I think it may be a little bit too soon to dismiss him just yet. Now, Darayev, yeah. another man who was just beaten by by Buckley. Uh, you know, he, he carries some... Yeah, he carries he carry something. Carl Robertson has had his moments as well. And those are his only two fights in the last in the last three years. So I think uh, Kopilov will want to go in and, and put a statement in here. And it seems like Chichiriko yeah. is the man for that statement. Um, I've picked Kopilov, Joe. And I've gone for a decision victory. Interesting. I've gone for Kopilov uh, by knockout. Uh, just that I'm I'm a bit worried for Tachiriko here. Uh, that Abdul Rasak Al Hassan knockout. It was uh, I don't I don't know, man. Like I'm I do slightly worry for this guy. I've never been that impressed by him. You know, as you said, he was a bit plodding, and um, yeah, it, it's re- realistically. I think even if Tachiriko wins this fight, he should still be cut from the UFC. It's like. <laughs> Like, really, we should be saving this bloke a bit. Like, he shouldn't just be, like, lined up here for some other young stud to come in there and just smash him. Like, I mean, uh, if I was, the... if, if you would allow me to push back for a moment here, you Go know, on. yes, he's been in some difficult waters uh, recently, obviously, the Buckley knockout aside. But before that, he had a win over Julian Marquez on his record. That man's no slouch. No, but that was four years ago. And subsequently, there's been a lot of cancelled fights. You know, I'm looking here. He withdrew from at least four of them. Like, it's it's not particularly appealing to the UFC to have this guy, um, you know, on the roster if he's losing fights and pulling out of fights as well. I don't know. It's... it's I, I, I think you agree with me that this is a warm body for... Kopilov to beat if he doesn't beat him he's probably going to get cut and we know his ceiling then otherwise uh, it's I don't know it's hard it's hard to really look past this fight other than a bit of a, a card filler which makes it all the more annoying that Imavov versus Buckley is on the prelims but hey ho let's uh, should we move on yeah well we're looking at some more main card filler up next Joe uh to prelim specialists now we've got John McDessey uh, a real veteran of the prelims fighting Hakparast who will replace him in that prelim filling role going forwards I imagine mm. 
Now, look, MacDessie's one of those guys, Joe, wherever, wherever time he comes up, it's like, oh, yeah, I thought I thought he had moved on. Or, oh, is he yeah. still around? Now, we yeah. can go all the way back to 2010, 12 years ago nearly now, uh, December of that year, when he made his debut in the UFC. Yeah. That's a long time ago, Joe. That is a very long time ago. He was um he was one of the Saint Pierre's uh, training partners, wasn't he? Or he was one of the he came out of TriStar, I believe. Um, yeah, and he fought on a, f- a few GSP cards. Is that correct? Um, I think he I, that was that's my memory of him. In fact, I'm looking here. His debut was on Saint Pierre versus Koscheck two, and then Saint Pierre versus Shields. Yeah, I, f- I remember this guy. He was he's a he's a TriStar. Um, well, yeah, Body. fellow 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 Canadian out of um out of Nova Scotia. Uh but the mm. fact that we're kind of struggling to piece together his his place in the UFC is kind of crazy. This is a man who has fought let's just see now. Um 17 Trinaldo. times in the UFC, Joe. Yeah, and he's fought guys like Trinaldo, Donald Cerrone, Abel Trujillo, Medeiros, Ross Pearson. You know, this is the prelim Father Darren Crookshank, come on, that's a blast from the past right there. Yeah, I mean, this is, as we said, the warm body prelim fight, which for some reason is on the main card, and he's fighting Nasrak Hakparast, you know, um, a guy that we've kind of dumped on a few times on this podcast, you know, uh, for his uh, losses against uh, Hooker, Dan Hooker and uh, Bobby Green, um, in which he kind of just kind of got worked by them didn't he like the Bobby Green one it was couldn't land a punch on him and then Dan Hooker out wrestled him took him down and just worked him over it was um pretty uh, unanimous in his loss to Hooker um as well as a knockout loss to uh, Drew Dober I it, it you know Hack Prest is one of these really frustrating fights because you can see how much of an athlete he is it just it feels like he just doesn't have that you know that fighting like grit to him you know that sort of edge there's just that little judge missing do you know what i mean like i don't know that that's that's why hack press kind of frustrates me when i watch him yeah i mean we have dumped on hack Parast and especially in light of that kind of higher level competition and a bobby green who was who was streaking at the time earlier this year really just feeling himself and we know bobby green on his nights can give anybody problems uh yeah now look, that's highlighting his losses, but he has he has beaten the lesser the lesser lights of the sport. Mark Jacasey, uh Rafa Garcia, and mm. Joaquim Silva, whoever that fella is. <laughs> <laughs> but he beat him. Jesus. And and the point I'm trying to make there, Joe, is that you know Hagprast he's he's falling down when he gets to those kind of outer reaches of the rankings, the ten to fifteen guys, the guys who are really you know, pushing on up into the upper reach of the sport. Makadesi, mm. never he's never been that man. You know, he, he did lose to Medeiros, he did lose to Venato, he did lose to Cerrone and Trinaldo, you know. So what I'm mm. trying to establish here is that there's a there's a ceiling for both of these Hierarchies. guys. Yeah, <laughs> hierarchy within the hierarchy. That's just it. And uh, the ceiling for Makadesi, especially at 37 now, I think is even lower than that of... <sighs> Of Hackparast. Hackparast, he, he certainly has a place in the UFC. I'm not saying that McDessie doesn't. But I'm just saying, you know, his uh, his road is coming, is winding down. And um, mm. you would expect Hackparast to push on here and, and, and get it done, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would expect so. I've gone for a Hackparast knockout. I think it's just going just gonna to work McDessie. And to the finish, I, I just, I feel like if he can't at least get like, a dominant win over MacDessie, then you'd be really questioning Hack Perez at that stage of like, right, well, something's seriously up with this guy. He should be a lot better than what he actually is. I mean, he's gonna go. He's gonna go forward. He's gonna apply pressure like he normally does. He's gonna fire out that jab, um, and I think mm. it's gonna be hard for MacDessie to withstand that. That being said, a, a knockout. I don't know. That kind of goes against what I've seen from Hack Perez so far, which is more of a volume, volume friendly approach. Should we say? Um, so I've picked mm. Hackpress to win by decision. Cool, that's a that's a, a fair shout. Right, uh, what are, what's the next fight we got to talk about? Oh, here we go. William Gomez, William Gomez uh, making his debut in the UFC against 
Jarno Ahrens in the featherweight division. William Gomez is um, fights out of um, Paris. He's uh, his head coach is Fernand Lopez, who is uh, Cyril Garn's head coach and the former head coach of um, Francis and Garnu. Um, like a lot of the guys that come out of that gym, uh, Gomez uh, has a history in sort of kickboxing. Uh, that is mostly like where his background lies. Um, it feels like, considering that he's the only other Frenchman on the main card, have I got that right? Yeah, he is the only other Frenchman on the main card, that this is a sort of, you know, make your name here, pal, uh, moment. Although saying that, Jarno Ahrens, sorry, sorry, really almost messed that up, Jarno Ahrens, um, making his debut in the UFC as well, uh, playing out of Holland. Yeah, two two young European fighters. Um, seems like the right card for them to get their chance in. We're always looking for new mm. new names, fresh blood, uh, new stories. Uh, now, fighters from the Netherlands, there have been some some pretty strong ones in in the sport. Um, John Aaron, does he have that same kind of kickboxing background that we've seen previously from from Dutch fighters? Uh, no, not really. Considering that most of his wins are by submission. Um, and decision as well uh, to uh, five wins by a submission five by decision three by knockout um he's fought in uh brave uh cf do you know anything about brave cf it's one uh, of these sort of like um middle eastern uh mma promotions that's like it's brought about quite a few uh, fighters uae warriors as well as another one of those promotions that he's actually fought in as well these are the sort of companies where um Guys like Hamza Chimaev has fought in, um, Otman Aitzatar has fought in. You know, they've sort of built their sort of reputation from there and it's become a bit of like a feeder league into the UFC from there. Like, kind of like uh, Cage Warriors is in the UK for the UFC or, uh, what's it, Fury Fighting Championship in America is to the UFC. So he's come out of that sort of factory line there. Really, it's kind of hard for us to really say too much about this, isn't it, Tom? Like, you know, we're looking at two guys here making their debut in the featherweight division. And basically, we have to then base off of, well, next week, who, what do we really think of these guys? I mean, um, Gomez here, I'm looking, by the way, he's had a couple of fights before this that were uh, cancelled in uh, Ares uh, FC, which is a European promotion, which, again, has worked as a feeder. Um, one of the cancelled fights was against Henan Barrow. Oh, wow. Uh, he was supposed to be fighting on that. Yeah, exactly, earlier this year. Um, so he's obviously uh, starting to move his way up a little bit here. Tom, really we have to go off our loins when it comes to this uh, fight here. What are you, what are you feeling uh, in this, uh, this match? Uh, it's it's going to be the home the home uh, fighter for me. Uh, also, the the younger man, yeah. though only slightly, we are just twenty five and, and twenty seven. These guys, uh, we can't comment too much as the seasoned listeners will probably be picking up in our pre fight breakdown here. Mm. Um, go ahead and announce yourself, guys, and uh, let's see. We'll have a Gomez uh, decision on my end. I'm going. I've gone for. Uh, I've gone for Gomez by knockout. Um, why not get the fat crowd fired up? Uh, with the French fighter getting the win there. Right. Lastly, or I should say first, opening the main card, Charles Jourdain is back. And he's facing Nathaniel Wood up at featherweight again. He's returning here. Jourdain, his last fight was against Shane Burgos. A uh, sort of contentious decision loss that he had there against Burgos. He's facing Wood. He just won a, had a decision victory over Charles Rosa. It's going to be a really interesting fight for both of these guys, I think. This is a really, really good test to see where they're at you know Woods moving up from bantamweight he hasn't really filled out for the featherweight division just yet you know I, you could kind of see that in the Rosa fight that he had the speed advantage but he was knocking Rosa down and getting the better of him in the striking exchanges but he wasn't getting close to a knockout finish or anything like that whereas maybe if he was having that performance of bantamweight he may have done whereas Jordan, he had Burgos on skates at points in that fight like really had Burgos in a lot of trouble uh outworked him massively in that third round I think it was yeah Burgos gassed you know holding that was it a back triangle he had the body triangle in the second he had the body yeah the body lock uh, in the second round 
Yeah, um, and Jordan really poured it on in the in the third round. Burgles was very glad to hear the bell at the end of it. I think, if I recall correctly, we also gave the first round, didn't we, to to Charles Jordan? Is that is that my mistake? I feel like we, uh, here on Hold On and Talking Brother, we had it. Maybe, maybe I'll have to I'd have to go back through my notes to find it. But um, well, yeah, while you're I doing mean, that, Jill, I I can say that. Uh, you know Charles Jourdain. He's he's been around for a while uh, now. You know he's been pretty active uh, since debuting back in 2019. This will be his third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. This will be his tenth fight, I believe, in in the UFC. Uh, but it was in... we had uh, we had Jourdain winning the first round. Yeah, and of course winning the third, maybe even by 10-8. So um, I think I think he was unlucky to come out on the wrong side of that decision. It was in that fight that he really announced himself to me. Uh, because that man put work in against Shane Burgos when he was trying to pressure him. Jordan was so, mm. so fast. Uh, you talked about Nathaniel yeah. Woodspeed advantage over uh, Charles Rosa. I don't expect him to have that same advantage here, despite being the no. smaller man. Uh, and if you're the smaller man and you do not have the speed advantage, it can often be a very difficult night for you indeed. Uh, I guess the only question mark I have over this fight is that you know these guys are coming off a pretty pretty fast turnaround. Uh, you know we yeah. saw them we saw them fight within one week of each other back in July. That's not a whole lot of time to prepare for a main card fight in in France. So I don't know if we'll get the no. full versions of these guys. Yeah, that is the the question. Is I I kind of get it for Wood more because it's like okay he hasn't had a brutal cut down to bantamweight and he can make this turnaround maybe a bit quicker than he would have done normally. But yeah, Jordan making that turnaround, that quick turnaround, you see it backfire, and I've seen it backfire early this year. What was that? Um, Andre Filiao, the Portuguese fighter. I think he fought like four times in four months and yeah. finally caught up with him against uh, Jake Matthews it's on so that uh, Singapore card. Yeah. Um, so that could be the problem there if the fact though that he didn't perform so well in that Burgos fight you know I, th- I thought he was quite tremendous and frankly Tom I'm going to put it out there I've got Charles Jordan winning this fight by decision wow I I thought you'd come down on the side of Nathaniel Wood I know you're pretty emphatic about that win over Charles Rosa um, you're excited to see him sure. at featherweight um, however, yeah, I, I think this is a really, really tough ask for Nathaniel Wood. Um, mm. I, re- I really do. And Jordan, he, he, he made a statement for me in that Burgos fight. You know, if you stand up to Shane Burgos when Shane Burgos is walking you down, headhunting you uh, in a way that only Shane Burgos used to do in the UFC... Mm. Uh, then, then you're someone to take note of. Uh, you add that to the fact that you know Jordan, he's he's really not f- afraid to 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 try things. You know, he's a- not afraid to mm. to throw flying, uh, flying knees, flying head kicks, mm. um, explosive, yeah. explosive attacks in amongst the volume that he carries as well. I think I think he could be a little breakout star here, and uh, especially if he takes on the kind of home mantle with that kind of French Canadian connection. So lines up nicely for me. It's a Jourdain win by decision. Cool. Right. Let's look at look at the prelims. Frankly, Tom, there's only fi- one fight that we're going to be looking at here on the prelims. In the middleweight division, Nazardine Imavov will be facing Joaquin Buckley. He is back. Our number one boy, Joaquin Buckley. We love it. We absolutely love it. But let's talk about Imavov first. Let's talk about Imavov. Ranked in the UFC middleweight division at is it 12 or 13 he's at he's at 12 yeah he's at 12 this is quite a jump for Buckley you know fairly quick turnaround from the from the Austin fight um and probably the biggest step up in competition he's had uh since uh, joining the UFC as well go on Tom well other than his debut where he had to find himself getting matched up with Kevin Holland on short notice yeah uh that was a little bit an unfair debut and we perhaps you remember how that ended for Joaquin uh yeah this is a this is a tough draw and if I am Joaquin's management I'm steering away from this and I'm saying look main cards only uh because yeah exactly because this man he sells he sells pay-per-views he does he, you know, yeah, this, this this guy is a potential pay per view draw. He, he he's the new Mansi, you know. He takes his name there from um, the mythical Malian Gold King, the one who marched into Egypt with 
the caravan of gold trailer game. And I think that will be, that's there for Joaquin too. Uh, when he leaves mm. the UFC, it should be followed by a mountain of gold a la Conor McGregor because the man has an absolute, uh, absolutely engaging personality. I love listening to him. But here he's been matched up against Imamov. Now, Imamov, Joe, let's be real. He's not that far away from fighting for the belt. The no. belt. Now, let me say why that is. Uh, he's won his last two fights comprehensively. Uh, embarrassing mm. Shabazian. All right, everyone's doing that now. And then Ian Heinish, <laughs> uh, another man who's there to be embarrassed. Before that, yeah. it was a split decision to Phil Hawes. Do you remember that fight? I do remember that fight, yeah. It was... Um... I be- if I remember correctly, I think Imovov won one of those rounds 10-8. Um, I think one of the judges gave it as a draw, didn't they, because of Imovov's work in that. Uh, I think it was the second round he had against Phil Hawes. Um, but again, as we've said to people <laughs> recently, losing to Phil Hawes is no joke, considering how good that guy is, like really has come out recently. And then he also had the win over Jordan Williams, in his debut in the UFC, but it's it's more the Heinish one and the Shabazian one of like, okay, yeah, he's beaten Heinish and Shabazian, but the manner in which he beat them, it was, I mean, brutal, brutal work. Um, realistically, I feel like this is kind of almost a, an unfair fight for both of these guys in a way, because like Imovov should be facing one of those ranked sitting targets yep. at middleweight. Yeah, you know, he shouldn't be facing. You know, he shouldn't be facing like Andre Muniz. He should be or Joaquin Buckley. It should be Karen Hill, Jack Hermanson, Derek Brunson. Well, Hermanson's Hermanson's booked uh, a fight for December against Brunson. Um, yeah, I I think Imovov Imovov versus Cannoneer, that would be one heck of a fight. I th- I really do think that we should c- kind of keep these guys away from each other. You know, I'm even thinking about like guys like Duplessis. I would like it if we could have had that. But, you know, Buckley's seen an opportunity to get into the rankings, at which point we know then he'll be in some big, big fights. And that is what we want to see for Joaquin. Um, really, this is the traditional grappler versus striker fights that we uh, we sometimes get in the USA. Do you feel Do you feel like that? you feel like you would categorize Imamov as a grappler? I would say he's more a grappler than he is a striker. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what you'd have to rely on to beat Buckley. You know, I I think that that's probably the method he would have to go to to beat him. You don't think you don't think you'll want to you don't think you'll want to trade with Buckley on the on the feet, you know, at range. I mean, he could do that, but I don't. I, the thing is, is that we saw. Uh, I mean, I think maybe some of these grapplers wrestlers will be taking the lesson from Usman is that when you take a guy down you know the chances of getting knocked out are much lower (laughs) and you know you can control the variables from there and maybe that these guys should be doing that uh, instead of you know allowing these fights to take place on the feet um I would be surprised if Imovov doesn't go to the wrestling I mean I just want to highlight the the size discrepancy here um, when I'm talking yeah. about a potential matchup on the feet, especially because Imamov he stands at six foot three at middleweight. Yeah. Now Buckley kind of famously undersized, but in this fight he'll be giving up a seven inch height uh, disparity. Seven. Inches. That might work in his favor. That might work in his favor because you know if Buckley then it means that the body then will be the sort of easier target to reach, and then also. If Imovov is throwing like a straight down to him, that sort of straight has to fire downwards means that he opens his chin up. I mean, then if Buckley then has to aim for, you know, going for the chin, going for the one-two to the head, as he's punching upwards, he protects his own head doing so. So, could Tyson actually work in Buckley's favour. School of striking. Exactly, exactly. Did you see the video, by the way, of Buckley meeting Imovov this week? No, I haven't seen that. Sounds great already. <laughs> shook hands. Yeah. They shook hands. They're like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you, whatnot. And then Buckley turns to his camera guy and goes like, whoo, that guy's big. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I think even Buckley can acknowledge that and probably has factored that into his game plan. And I'm saying it now, Buckley by decision. 
<sighs> Buckley by decision, bro. Now, walk, walk me through that then. You're saying that uh, Imamov, he, he takes a big shot. Pace. That panics him. And he, he tries I'm to apply saying... a grappling game, and but Buckley's just he's just too can't strong. Can't take him down. Well, yeah, he can't, he can't take him down because the lower center of gravity. And then on the feet, I think Buckley's going to have the speed advantage. And as I said, body's there. He can tire him out. He can reach that. Imavov is going to reach that. He has to throw kicks up the middle, which then may what we have to throw linear kicks as well, meaning that then Buckley can just circle up either side. Bro, Buckley's going to he's going to put a whooping on this guy. <laughs> Buckley by decision, all three rounds, ten eight. <laughs> <laughs> now, Joe, the, I got to I got to tell you now, the bookmakers they do not agree with you. They've got Imamov going as a, what are the odds? as a strong well, You get 1.4 for Imamov, 3.25 for Buckley. No. Yeah. Ten, yeah. Pounds, 10 pounds on Buckley <laughs> this Saturday. That's what, that's what I'm seeing. I oh, man. want it. I want a Buckley win. And he certainly showed he had matured uh, against Duraev when the odds makers mm. were also confounding him. You know, they were also denying him his greatness, denying him his, his future. And he shut them down spectacularly. You remember Duraev's eye after that uh, that whooping? Oh my god! He, put, yeah, he did put a whooping on him, and uh, lovely left high kick as well. Um, beautiful work, left straight as well coming from Buckley was really really good against Duraev. By the way, if Buckley it, wins this, if if Buckley wins this fight, he'd be six and two in the UFC. Six and two, and we're still having Chris Weidman ranked at fucking. <laughs> Middleweight, like this is ridiculous. Let him Sorry, loose on Weidman, Joe. Podcast. Let I him run wi- Let him run wild on wi- Weidman if he if he wins this fight. Oh, oh, sorry, Weidman's not ranked anymore. Sorry, my mistake, my mistake. Do you want to know who's taken uh, Weidman's place in the rankings? It's Chris yeah. Curtis. It is indeed Chris Curtis, who should not have that ranking over Buckley. I'm sorry, I cannot have that. Mm. You've just lost a fight. Can't be ranked like that. Mm. Um, is there anything else on this fight night card that stands out to you? Uh, no, all attention really being devoted to to our main event there. I should just add, Joe, rational heads have prevailed. I picked Imamov. You know, it doesn't count. I don't, I, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I know, I know, I know. Look, Joe, when you're the champ, things are different, right? If you get there, you'll understand. I'd say. Now, well, uh, I will be getting there. <laughs> Uh, in terms of other fights, I don't know. I guess a cursory glance over to Kali Taha. He's he's looked pretty decent uh, on occasion down at bantamweight. Yeah. Crowded out by Chris, some killers down there. Christian Quinones. Uh, um, it's a pretty good fight, yeah. So that'd be a fun fight. Uh, anyway, Tom, let's talk about the news. Let's talk about the news. There's a couple things that we should uh, talk about here. Let's uh, talk about, for one, uh, a middleweight fighter this week that came up Darren Till was talking this week I don't know did you see his interview from earlier this week well there's two pieces of news with Till first off he said he wants to get two fights in before the end of 2022 Um, now Tom what do you think the chances are that he gets two fights in by the end of this year Uh, zero Uh, okay what about one fight in before the end of 2022 50-50 Okay, Jesus. Um, yeah, he's talked about this, and he's saying, if I get two wins and I get a win early next year, I will be getting a title fight. Now, we've talked about the middleweight contenders. We've talked about the people in the rankings that are sat there. And Darren Till has become a bit of a sitting target, I think. He has become a guy that I think other fighters are looking at, thinking, if I can get my hands on Till and get a win over that name, that will propel me up into a title contender fight. So I think Till's next fight, he needs to pick and choose wisely who he faces. You know, he should not face Andre Muniz. <laughs> you know, he should... Really, realistically, he should not be facing that guy. Um, and really, it's quite, kind of interesting with Till. He's 29 years old, and it feels like he's been written off already by well, the majority well, of fans. Joe, Joe, he's lost four of his last five. Let's, let's get it's it true. out there. This man lost to Tyron Woodrow. Who does that? <laughs> Not even a YouTuber loses to uh, to Tyron Woodley. I mean, I Jake say. Paul That's, Darren That is a damning Till. indictment. Jake Paul Darren Till. I see that. I can see that oh. in the future. Till loses. 
Oh my god. Loses this fight he comes back for. I don't know, Joe. He's got a point to prove. He shouldn't be picking any fights. The fight should be picked for him and he needs to go and prove his worth for me. I'm sorry. Enough of the bullshit. That's, that's Enough a, of the nonsense. He's got a, a fight. Duplessis, Imamov or Muniz. Or Buckley if, when he gets it done Saturday night. Fair enough. I don't want to see Tom, any nonsense. I, you know, I don't want to see any nonsense. I think the other thing with Till is that that it, it feels like he just didn't follow up on his potential that we saw early on. And I think the other problem is is that he was clearly a middleweight fighting at welterweight, which then gave him its benefits of like, you know, he had quick hands and then factoring like, oh, he's actually knocking people down. He's knocking people out that way. You know, and he's having those sort of strong performances. But then it also factored them with him uh, compromising his chin against guys like Tyron Woodley, where he just fell into the Woodley trap, didn't he? Backing up and then unleashing a right hand. And then Masvidal. Um, and then when he moves up to middleweight, that sort of knockout potential's kind of disappeared in a way. And it felt like in the Whitaker fight and in the Brunson fight that Till was very much one-dimensional in those two two fights. He did have success. He did have success, but it felt like he couldn't follow it up or he didn't really have a game plan really built for those fights. Well, let me just jump in there. I, I did think the showing against Whitaker was was good actually. I thought I thought that was a credit to him. Uh he did he did hang with, as we said, indisputably the number two uh, the former champ, and you know he went pace of pace. Yeah. He, he was always he was always losing the fight. He was always a little bit behind, but um, it, it wasn't comprehensive by any means. Uh, I mean, it, he did knock Whitaker down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. He, no, he showed he does. He's got some some great striking, beautiful timing, and he and he can definitely land a shot. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been difficult with injuries. He clearly has a complicated personal life as well. Um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to rain on him too hard. We'll mm. we'll see. The next fight is obviously pivotal for him. Let's uh, let's also talk about this about Darren Till that just came out today. Uh, was uh, arrested in Sweden in July, and uh, for uh, drink driving, um, was in a car with a woman. Uh, were pulled over. He claimed that she was driving the car, and she claimed that he was driving the car. Police obviously fact in that that was uh, something was up there, and then Till cop to it, saying no, it was in fact me. And he uh, claimed that he had uh, only a couple drinks with dinner. Um, I to me this kind of maybe this is inspired what he said this week of like I've really got to sort myself out and kick on here. Or is this just his personality, Tom, and this is just what who he is? Yep. <laughs> the latter, I'm afraid. And the first one is what, what he has to tell himself. Um, yeah, he, he, he looks well, really That's bad. what he has to do. Well, it, uh, 100%, he has to do 100%, 100%. But it's not as simple as that, is it? It's just not as simple as no. that. Um, no. Anyway, moving on from Darren Till, the only other little quick notes I wanted to make at the end of our pod here is it's just looking back again to that historic night uh, back with um leon leon winning uh it's mm. still it's still getting me joe it's still really yeah it's still tickling me it's just so beautiful it's so beautiful it's so inspiring um and it, i don't know incredible. i just had this feel good feel good feeling uh, i just want to see if i'm alone in that all right you, you moved on no 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 definitely not it's it's still it's still the moment of this year like if if you were to you know, it seems that every year there's like a fight or a fighter who has like a breakout moment that, you know, kind of inspires the fans and it can kind of move you. You know, I think last year quite clearly was probably Charles Oliveira. Um, and in fact, even earlier this year was Charles Oliveira. The, the fight against Gaethje, I think, was a real moment where people got around him because he got screwed out of the belt and you know you saw him afterwards and his passion that he had about that but Edwards is by far and away the biggest moment of the year I don't think anything will surpass that there may be better fights this year but in terms of that moment and the person and everything surrounding it nothing will surpass that this year 
Usman, uh, since the fight, he's come out and said that he really wanted to to get a finish against Leon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he was doing nothing to, to get that in that fifth round. Well, this just brings that fifth round into ever more question, doesn't it? The, the way that it did end. Now, obviously, we criticise Adesanya a lot. Uh, might get a few more champs thinking a bit more like, like Izzy if they have the opportunity. Like, Usman... Could have fought that fifth round in a way that that wouldn't have happened. Um, he's, yeah. That's certainly not because he was trying to get a finish. Uh, he, he was just slipping and he got caught. You know. He, yeah, I mean, if, when you see that knockout, he was moving backwards. Like, Edwards was moving him backwards and it was, it was he allowed Edwards to get that finish in a way. Um, I mean, maybe also we have to factor in it was the fifth round. He was probably exhausted. Um that wrestling game plan you know he may have thought like okay i can i've beaten this guy now i can sort of cruise a little bit but then obviously that's the fear is that if you cruise that can happen and particularly also when you have a wrestling game plan you take away that opportunity you take away that variable because edwards is unlikely to get a submission victory in the fifth round um he is more likely to get a knockout victory with his style Uh, yeah it was I mean, Joe, I think this will be it, an, an enlightening moment. Well, yeah, it's it's a nightmare moment for any dominant champ. You know, that is the tape you got to show when you talk about sticking to the game plan and going to the going to the final whistle. Mm. Um, you know, I think there'll be quite a lot of fighters watching watching tape on that just to straighten up their discipline because you know there's a head kick out there and it's waiting for you if you if you do take a moment. Um, the other sure. thing. The other thing that I wanted to follow up on that on that last fight, we obviously were very disappointed with uh, the way that Marab kind of, well, we said not really beat Aldo, but mm. scored more points than him on the judges' scorecards. Uh, Aldo's coach, he's been out talking on that, and he said that um, he doesn't think that Aldo will retire just yet. No, no. There, there's a there's a fight card coming up in Brazil soon. If he is going to retire, he should do it in Brazil. Joe, he's so Not close. He's so he's still right there for me. He's still right there. Two wins. I'm more than happy to see him get matched up for the belt. Yeah, same, same. Whether he's able to do that is the next issue. Considering it is bantamweight, it's it's tough, man. And there are killers coming through who deserve their shot. I'm looking at Ricky Simone being the one that sort of popped into my mind. Um, first in that in that uh yeah if guys on the come up um can we just talk about something else we don't really talk about other promotions due to the fact that the depth of quality isn't there but let's talk about one fc for a moment here and what happened over the weekend their first card on amazon prime headlined by uh, adriana marais defending the flyweight title against uh, mighty mouse demetrius johnson Johnson uh, avenges his loss by knocking out Morais. Um, their flyweight division is uh, actually 135 pounds with their weird uh, hydration thing, which fell apart the weekend. That totally did not work at all. Uh, Mighty Mouse, yeah, knocked out Morais. And the question came up again of who got the better of the trade of the UFC and won when they swapped Demetrius Johnson for Ben Askren. And I think, realistically, they both kind of won. I, I, maybe this is a boring answer, but they both won. In the in the short term, the UFC got a guy who uh, ended up weirdly becoming a pay-per-view draw for one fight, then produced one of the most incredible highlight knockout losses, and then in turn made a new pay-per-view star in Jorge Masvidal. Um, whereas one seemed to have claimed the hardcore fans heart in terms of oh they're presenting mighty mouse properly you know they are show, giving the respect well, that he deserves yeah. whereas the ufc didn't there's also there's also the depth you have over there in the lighter divisions um in in one you know like they they they, yeah. they, they have men down in the in the lower weight classes that could could find a home in in the ufc without problem they have that kind of niche tied up if you want some big Big juicy boys, then you come over to well, it depends how juicy. If you want like full juice, you go Bellator, but you know, you get another forties then. 
Um, yeah. If you want the kind of balance, you got the UFC. But if it's the smaller weight classes you enjoy, I think you will enjoy watching One FC. So yeah, they they both won. Mm. I think you've called it. Yeah, fair enough. And also, I think Mighty Mouse has kind of put his seat at the top of the table. You know, he's he's at the top table of all-time great mixed martial artists, isn't he? 100%. Like, there's there's no doubt. There's no doubt. The most skilled MMA fighter possibly ever. The knockout was incredible. You know, the sort of slip and move with the right hand, knocked him back and then got the knee against wow. a man who's much bigger than him. I mean, the was it suplex into armbar? What was it that we saw in the UFC? It was... Oh, against Ray Borg? Yeah. This yeah. Unbelievable. Jim, a, a, a belly-to-back belly suplex into an armbar. Still one of the most mind-blowing things I've ever seen. Insane, Jim. Right, Tom, let's go through our picks one last time for the main card here. Yep. Uh, at UFC Paris. Uh, let's go through this just one second. Okay. So, this time I'm going from the uh, bottom up. Charles Jordan versus Nathaniel Woods. Decision win who, for Jordan. Uh, who did you pick? Same here. Uh, William Gomes against Jano Ahrens. I went for Gomes by knockout. Gomes decision here. That's right. Hack Press versus John McDessey. Uh I think we both went for Hack Press. Yeah, I picked a decision win. I think and I went for a knockout. Yeah. Uh, Dechi- uh, Alessio Dechirico versus Roman Kopilov. Uh, both went for Kopilov. A Kopilov decision. And a Kopilov knockout for me. And in the co-main event, Robert Whittaker versus Marvin Vittori. I've gone for a Robert Whittaker decision. Same. Uh, which you have as well. And in the main event, Cyril Garn versus Taito Ivasa both gone for a Cyril Garn knockout listeners we will be back next week won't we Tom we certainly will I mean tune in if you're gonna get the card that Joe expects from those predictions it should be a great great night of watching I know <laughs> yeah, I was just feeling, thinking about it later. feeling the knockouts uh loving that Joe so um hopefully we we well <laughs> Joe's expecting full I, full high octane all gas, no brakes type material. So I, re- I actually kind of am. I actually kind of am, in a way. I think there's some guys there that are going to be out to prove a point. And, uh, bring yeah, it up. I bring it, I want to see it. I want to see it. Listen, if you got that card, you'd be loving life, wouldn't you? Like, you'd be absolutely loving life. Uh, anyway, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week to break down this card and to look ahead to the following week. Um, uh, UFC cards. Tom, what is the, what is the card after? Is it that uh, Mackenzie Turn one? Uh, is that is that the card we have to preview? Well, I feel like you know if we do get all those knockouts, we will be focusing on that. But yeah, it's uh, it's a card that I wasn't too happy with. You you defended it uh, after it. We've got uh, well, is it no? Yeah, it's Hamza and Nate, isn't it? Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. it's, it is that card. Oh shit! I've... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I skipped over that for Mackenzie Dern against uh, what's her face. Um, oh my god, that's that is terrible. Um, I guess that's how bad that UFC two seven nine is looming it? over you, Joe. Now we'll be back next Jesus, week, listeners, and we will break down that uh, that UFC two seven nine in in detail, and hopefully follow yes. up on all these knockouts that we're going to see on Saturday. Thanks for everybody. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye.